that goes along with it. Sometimes sacrifice and suffering chases us off. We don't want to pursue things, the deep things of God because we know that we're going to have to sacrifice a lot of things. But you know what? The end result is God will keep us. It doesn't matter what you're facing. doesn't matter what you're going through. doesn't matter your circumstance. It doesn't matter. What matters is if you take that to him and trust in God and he'll take care of it because that's how he loves us. Amen? We are kept by the power of God for his purpose, not just for us. God's got a special thing for you to do. How many believe that? It's not time to sit back and say, oh, well, there's nothing going on. There is something going on. If you can't physically go out and do stuff, what you can physically do is bend your knee in prayer. What you can physically do is lock down and put on your calendar every time that there calls for prayer. It's got to happen. Prayer's got to go up because there's things in the kingdom that needs to be done. All the way to today. There's no other important day than today because we are here to do his will. Amen? So we owe it. Don't we just owe it to those that went before us? Don't we just owe it to people that have prayed for you before? Don't we just owe it especially to the Lord for saving our souls? But you know what? Everybody else, a lot of people put things into our lives that we may not even know. And we owe it to them. We owe it to the people that helped build this church. We owe it to them to do the best that we can and to come to the house of God and get what God has for us. How many want to know what God's got for them today? We especially owe it to the Lord. That we don't want to miss out what he has. Every. Every service, every day, God has something for you. How many's ever missed it? Yeah, you roll over, you missed it. Even when the Holy Ghost moves on you in bed and you can't just help it, you got to get up and go pray and find out what God wants. And I, I, I miss it. I roll over and say, oh, it was just, you know, just not. It, it's just, uh, uh, well, you know, you're sleeping. And you'll never find out what that is. Do you know why? Because he went to somebody else. I don't, don't want to miss what God's got. Especially nowadays. Are you kidding me? Especially where we're at. I don't want to miss what God's got. Because you know what? It helps you along your life. And I need all the help I can get. Even though I've been in the church all my life, I still need all the help that I can get. Because you can't make it on your own. You just can't make it on your own. Keep me, Lord, in the moment. There's a song that's out. I've been whistling and singing about it. I don't know all of it, but it says, keep me in the moment. Help me live with my eyes wide open because I don't want to miss what you've got for me. I don't want to be out to lunch somewhere. I don't want to be doing my thing somewhere when God comes by and knocks on my door. I don't want to specifically be in a church service and have the message go forth and tug on my heart and turn around and walk the other way. I don't want to miss what God's got for me. That's why the word opportunity fits into today. 
It's an opportunity. That's, again, what this book's about. It's an opportunity. You know, it's brought into your attention and brought to your mind of what we can do and how you can improve yourself when it's brought that way. I don't want to miss out what God's got because here's the reason. He will help us. Because it's really not our fight, even though that we're involved into it. We sang the song, it's his battle. The battle is yours, Lord. All he's looking for is a soldier. All he's looking for is somebody to show up. All he's looking for is somebody that's committed. I don't want to miss out. Yeah. In 1980, how many remember that? few of you. If not, let me tell you what went on. <laughs> I remember listening to the radio in 1980 to the Carter-Reagan debates, presidential debates, what's happening. I might as well throw this in, huh? So everybody's got the idea how it's happening. Excuse me. I just can't do that with one hand. You wouldn't want me to do that with one hand. I remember listening to the Carter and Reagan debates, and they were debating about military spending and uh, cuts and stuff like that that's going on. Same thing happening nowadays. What is that, 40 years later? Gee whiz, same stuff going on. But I remember an incident and a statement that Ronald Reagan made when he was debating Jimmy Carter. He said the best weapon that we have got, it isn't the B-1 bomber that they were developing back then. It wasn't all the equipment and the, the specialized weaponry. It was. He said the best thing, the best weapon that we have is that young man standing out there at attention with a committed, made-up mind that I'm a soldier of the United States Army or whatever part of the service that you were in, and there's nothing better, nothing more valuable than a soldier with a made-up mind. That's a positive attitude and ready to go. And there's nothing more important in the kingdom of God than a saint of God that's been saved, that's been baptized in his name, that's been filled with the Holy Ghost, that has a changed mind and a changed life, standing at attention, ready to find out what God's got for him, the order of the day is. I don't want to miss what he's got for me. I don't want to miss. I don't want to be out when the order comes down. Ah. I was reading a book called Killing Kryptonite. Told that a few times. One of the incidents that the guy was talking about was a friend of his that he uh, talks to a lot. It was a former Navy SEAL. And he said, what is it that's so special about being a Navy SEAL? And he said, you know what? On the bottom of the list of the important things and the priorities of a Navy SEAL is himself. He doesn't think of himself because here's the reason. He knows that his brothers have his back no matter what's going on. That's like number one. I've got to do this for the unit. I've got to stay here to take, take care of my, my buddy right here next to me. 
or over on this side. And that's the way it needs to be, and that's the way it should be. And I think that's the way God intended it, Brother Simmons, that, that we stand tall, that we are ready for whatever God's got for. But you know what? It's not about me. Because there's something greater than just Roger Locke involved in this place. There's something greater than just you. And I'm not taking you out of the situation at all. But we've got to have the mindset that if we pursue after God, that if we move the football so far down the road and down the field, that God's got to do everything, that we've got to get involved, and that he's got to be number one, and the church has got to move on. That's what this book is really about. It's, not a, it's also about cleaning up ourselves, but you know what? We've got to do things for the kingdom of God. Navy SEAL. You know, Israel had always had problems with the Philistines. How many know this story I'm going to talk about, David and Goliath? We've heard that over and 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 over. It's different when you stand in the valley of Elah to pick up stones. They always had the problem. This was about 1025 B.C. when David met Goliath in that field. And sometimes... We get into battles that we had nothing to do with. It wasn't ours to start with. Somebody else might have got us in that position. I have kids. Somehow or another, you're, you're there. But here's the important thing that I want you to remember about being there, David got up that morning and he had no idea he was going to be in the midst of a battle. All he was doing was doing what his father Jesse told him to do is, here's lunch, go take it to your brothers. But the Philistines were, they were the, the champs back then. They had all the stuff. There is uh, five cities that were important to them. Ekron, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Gaza, and Gath. And all of those, if we had a, a, a map of Israel, all of those would be up along the, where the Gaza Strip is today, uh, up there next to the Mediterranean Sea. So here's the deal. They've been fighting the Philistines because now the Philistine translates into Palestinians. Same thing going on, isn't it? You've been keeping track of all these people that are signing up for President Trump's uh, Abraham Covenant going on, the peace accord. They're starting to line up and sign up. But the Philistine, the Palestinians, excuse me, they don't want to sign that. They're still greedy. They're still after them. They've been after them. It's back here at uh, 1025 B.C. They've been after them. But what a lot of people don't realize is this battle that went on with David and Goliath in this valley of Elah is it's across the midsection of the, the, the country of Israel. That's where all these battles, most of them, took place. So here they are, <clears throat> so very proud of all of their cities and everything that they've done. 
But let's go back to Judges, the 16th chapter. Judges 16 talks about Samson carrying the gates of the city of Gaza up on a hill next to Hebron. Now, Gaza translates into strong city. <laughs> so it was an enemy stronghold. He picked the right city, so named that, so proud of what they had done and how they had built it up and how the gates protected him from everything. And that's what God moved on Samson to go and do and uh, gave him the strength to not only rip up the gates but also the posts that they were fastened to on each side of it. And he not only just picked them up, he carried them away. Pretty cool. That's why our God is great. Our God is awesome. All he's looking for is a little Samson here, somebody that's going to step out for him, somebody that's going to trust him, and let God give you the power to just rip up these gates and carry him away. Gaza is our strong city. Here he was, just picked them all up. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Can I say amen with that? The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to what? To the pulling down of strongholds or to the ripping up of the skates of Gaza. Casting down our imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So really when there's a battle going on and somehow you wake up in the morning and find yourself in the middle of some place, you need to remember Samson and these gates. Oh, I'm not Samson. Well, I'm not pick, telling you to pick up these eight-ton gates or however much they weighed. But here's a funny thing, I mean not the, the cool thing. Tradition says that those gates have an estimated weight of somewhere in the neighborhood of four tons. Just the gates. Okay, so he can pick them up. Okay. Not only did he do that, not only did God give him the power to do that, he carried them away to a hill by Hebron. Oh, okay. Not only that, let me add some more into this. That was 37 miles away. Oh. Now you're getting it. I don't even pick them up. I'm going to walk 37 miles. I'm done yet. Not only when he gets there, it's a hill. He carries him up a hill. 3,000 feet in elevation. Why did he do that for? Here's the reason. Throws him down on this hill. Can you imagine the guys that wake up in the morning, hey, where's our gates? <laughs> Somebody carried our gates off. Well, where are they at? Oh, 37 miles. What? That's awesome, isn't it? Strong city. The devil's got a strong city. The devil may have a stronghold on somebody. But I'm here to tell you, God's got more power than that if you just give him an opportunity to pick it up, to pull down the strongholds, 
not just throw them on the ground. I'm going to carry them away 37 miles. I'm going to go up on a hill. I'm going to throw them down on the hill. What do you do that for? Well, just my opinion. It's easier to see. Look, way over there on that hill. Isn't that a shining, aren't we like a, a, a shining city on a hill? That's awesome, isn't it? <laughs> Matthew 16, 18, I say unto thee also, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There's nothing that they can build. There's nothing that they can do. There's nothing they can hide behind. There's no walls like Jericho that God can't push down whenever he wants to. All he's doing is using us when we allow him to use us. That's why our testimony is so vital. Everything that God's done for you, every time God's touched your life, everything God has opened for you, every healing that happens, every job that he gives, you, everything that God works out for you, it doesn't matter what it is, it needs to be carried up on a hill somewhere, I need to tell everybody that I can, this is what Jesus Christ did for me, this is how he kept me, this is how he fought my battle, and I'm going to plan it on the top so that everybody all the way around can see, hey look, what God did. So don't be afraid. That's why your testimony is important. So that others may see what God has done in your life. What if Samson would have just pushed him over out the way and drug him over, threw him in a ditch? Other people near the city of Hebron, 37 miles away, they, had no, they couldn't see that. Nah, that didn't happen. It's different when somebody tells you something than when you go and you actually see it. Way different, isn't it? Way different. So this COVID thing, excuse me, I keep going back to that. We didn't ask for this, did we? We're just in it. That's why it's so important that you grab a hold of God. I'm telling you, grab a hold of God. Whatever it takes, however you need to put things aside, whatever weight you need to lay aside, whatever thing you need to turn off and do away with, you need to find a place with God and you need to stay there until God touches you. Mm -mm -mm. We also need to keep praying for our president. You know, sometimes the negative stuff overwhelms to say, oh, man. But look at it. All the things that's been thrown at Donald J. Trump. Unbelievable. Now he got the COVID. Oh, no. You know what? He's going to come right out of that. Yep. <clears throat> it just can't be a fleshy fight. It's a spiritual fight. And it's not your battle, it's the Lord's. All I want to do is report for duty. So let's go back to David. 
As I said, most of the fighting between the Philistines and Israel took place in the middle section of the country. So at this time in the 1 Samuel 17, the Philistines, they actually had the momentum. They did. All that stood in the way of them to take it all the way to Jerusalem was a little place in this valley, in this battle that went on. That's why Israel's army was so afraid. They had nothing to stop this. Nothing to stop it. And he came out every day. Send me a man. We'll make a deal. If he defeats me, we'll be your slaves. If I win, we're going to march on to Jerusalem and just take over and destroy everything. Nothing else. Just just little trails and and hills and, and you know, regular terrain, but nothing to stop it. And David had no idea this was going on. The generals did. Saul did. The army guys, they understood it. So David was just 15 years old, a little shepherd boy, that he woke up that morning. Again, he didn't have any idea that was going to take place. But let me tell you something. God needed somebody with some faith. God needed somebody that he had been tried before and come through. God needed somebody that had defeated a lion, somebody that defeated a bear. And now there's a giant in the way. And now Israel needs a a, a victory. And now something needs to happen that nobody else can. So God picks a 15-year-old boy. Would you do that? Nope. Why? He's not even in it. He's not even in the army. Doesn't have a uniform. Doesn't have a rifle. Doesn't have nothing. No basic training. Needs to go back home and grow up and then come back and join the army. Didn't know how to use a sword. Didn't have none of that stuff. But he had faith in God. I'm telling you, it's scary sometimes. It doesn't add up in the flesh. It doesn't add up when we put things down on paper and say, yeah, 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 no, that's not how that's supposed to work. But when God gets involved, you throw all of that stuff away and you keep trusting in God. You keep building up your faith, your most holy faith in God. You keep in touch with God. You keep praying. You keep praying in the Holy Ghost. How do you get the Holy Ghost? How do you get more familiar with the presence of God? You keep praying and asking and seeking out after God and you'll get there. 1 Samuel 17, 20 through 27, David rose up early in the morning. He left the sheep with a keeper, and he took, and he went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench at the host what was going forth in the fight, and he shouted for the battle. For Israel uh, and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. Array means they, they organized the battlefield. They took lines. They took and chose where we're going to be. David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage, and he ran to the army to come, and he saluted his brothers, and he talked with them, and behold, there came up in the champion the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and he spake according to the same words, and David heard them. You who have a little bit of faith, you who God has used before, when the enemy speaks and you hear it, God wants you to do something about it. 
it's different when you don't have any faith because you're not going to hear what the, de- what the devil's saying or what Goliath or what the giant's saying. But when you do hear something and God calls you to attention and God gives you an order, my friend, the best thing for you to do is go after it. And all the men of Israel, when they saw that the men fled from him, and they were not just afraid, they were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? Talking to David. Surely to defy Israel is the one that's come up, and it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches. He'll give him his daughter, his, her hand in marriage, make his father's house free. That means no taxes. That's pretty cool. You're rich, you married the king's daughter, and now you don't have to pay taxes or anything else. And he's set for life. Isn't that neat? We were horrible people before we came to God. We were stroking the devil's boat all the time and trying to do his bidding. And we were bound in sin and shaping in it. We're doing all kinds of things. But you know what? When we came to the Lord, he set us free. He took care of all the, all the debt. He wiped it all out. <coughs> you mean all I've got to do is kill this giant and I can be free? There's another commercial. All I've got to do is kill this giant? And I can be free in my mind. I can be free in my spirit. I can be free to advance the kingdom of God. All I got to do is kill this giant. It'll change the course of your life and your family's future. All because I'm involved in church now. All because I'm different now. Because they got my life straightened out with God. Well, David's brothers didn't think too much of him. He wasn't even a warrior. And they only knew him as his past. They only knew him as a little shepherd boy. They only knew him as, you know, you go take care of. They didn't even want him to do it. They didn't even call him to come and be anointed when Samuel was hunting for a king. They started with the big guy, Eliab, all the way down. Surely there's somebody else because Samuel said, God's not telling me any of these boys. Where's the other one at? They didn't even want him. They didn't even consider him part of the brothers, part of the family. Oh, oh, wait, there's somebody way on the other side of the field. So all the other family, all the other people, all your other friends, all the other ones on the outside, they don't look at you as a mighty warrior. They don't look at you as something that, that the devil may be a fearful of. But let me tell you something. If you get a hold of God, if you start right now, if you start peeling stuff away, if you start uh, uh, giving God all that you have, all your time, all your strength, you'll be that mighty warrior that they'll be afraid of. Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and his anger was kindled against David. He said, what did you come down here hither to do? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride, David. 
and thou naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down there that you might just see the battle. All you've come down here to do is be a spectator. All you've got. I don't get up in Sunday morning and get all cleaned up and dressed up and come all this way to come through those doors and just watch. Because I don't want to miss what God's got for me. I don't want to just come and see the battle. I don't want to just come and watch other people battle it out. I don't want to watch other people come become uh, uh, free of their spirit. I don't want to watch other people deal with their giants because I've got one of my own to deal with. You know what? I don't want to be a spectator. I don't want to watch things. That's what this brother's saying. All you're going to be doing is watching us try to beat this giant, and it's going to be horrible. David knew better than that because David had something that they didn't. He had made a decision a long time ago that there's nobody that's going to defy the armies of God. There's nobody that's going to come against the church. There's nobody that's going to fight this thing. I'm going to get involved and I'm going to do it. Because he had a decision that he made up his mind. What did Reagan say? A committed person standing there being a soldier. You know, you can do a lot of things when you make your mind up. Again, back to my childhood. Wasn't that long ago. I don't know how long I sought for the Holy Ghost. It, I, I grew up in the church and I knew all this stuff. You know, I, I just didn't want to commit myself. And all I was doing is just making my girlfriends happy. That was my motive. I want God at all. I just wanted her to be happy, whichever her it was. Here's the plan. You find out the birthday, and you know the holiday, so you make sure you break up before. So you don't have to buy him anything. That's horrible, isn't it? But, listen, when I met this one here, oh, my. It was all over. So I would go to the altar just, oh, would you please go pray? Okay. So I'd go pray. You would put your head down the altar, and you would lick your fingers and wipe your eyes. So it looked like you were crying. This is a long time ago. Come on. You're looking at me like I'm the only one that does that stuff. You better stop. What's the matter with you people? Yeah, I'm in there somewhere. I don't know who that is. Well, I'm deceiving people. Here's my point. And we can laugh about it all, and that was fun and games back in 1970. Here's my point. 
I finally made my mind up. I finally said, there's no more games, God. There was a calling. There was a tugging. And it wasn't from the girl's voice. It wasn't from anybody. I know it was God's pulling on me. And the moment that I made my mind up, I started in the back just appeasing everybody again. The moment I made my mind up and walked all the way up here to the little corner over there at Buckeye Lake in August of 1971, that's when God started in on me. Why? Because he knows when your heart's committed in. So he's looking for a soldier. He's looking for somebody that's committed to fight this thing. We didn't start this battle. We didn't start all this stuff. But you know what? It's not ours to worry about. All we need to do is show up. All we need to do is have a committed mind. I've got to make a decision. That giant's not going to mess around with the church anymore. I've got to make a decision. I don't care how bad it gets, what kind of report comes over the news. The church has got to still function as the church. We're still a soul-saving place. People are still going to get baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter what. It's not our battle. But I'm here to fight. I'm here to show up. I'm here to do what God wants me to do. Because I'm committed. Hey. Amazing when you make a decision. The devil doesn't care what you do as long as you don't make a decision. He was my he was he was my homie because all I did is mess around. I messed around and I didn't make a decision. I messed around. Wow, got through that revival. Got through that service. Still got my girlfriend. Everybody's happy. Roger's still lost. My soul is still full of sin. Doesn't matter that I was born and raised on a pew in a church. Doesn't matter. What matters is I need to, uh, I need my sins remitted. What matters is I needed to get baptized. I, I, need, I needed to have the blood of Jesus applied to my life. What matters is I need to be ready for heaven. That's what matters. Bottom line, that's what matters no matter what. Every day you've got to be ready. Every day you've got to make sure that you're ready to go. Because, my friend, it doesn't matter how many people line up to sign President Trump's uh, uh, Abraham Accords. It doesn't matter. He's coming back for a church. He's coming back for people. And you had better be able to feel the presence of God move upon your soul. Because if you don't familiarize yourself with the Holy Ghost, you're going to miss it. And there's no coming back. The devil don't care as long as you don't commit. You don't care where you go, what you do. You don't care how many times you go to church and how many songs you sing. You don't care how you worship and how you dance or whatever. But when you make a decision to say, I'm not putting up with this giant anymore, then the devil gets worried. Because he doesn't know what to do with a person that has made a decision to do something for God. I don't care how old you are. 15, 14, 13, it doesn't matter. When you decide to step out and do something for God and go and, and, and give the Lord your heart and, and surrender and repent, 
that's when all the stuff's going to happen good in your life. Because then the devil says, well, I lost another one. And you know what? We're not going to sing this COVID stuff out. You just, you're not going to dance this stuff away. I'm telling you again, and it's not just me. It's people that aren't in this church and in other churches that have a radio program that said there's something spiritual going on in this world. So if you think that you're not spiritual now, you better get spiritual. Because I don't want to grab for something spiritual and not have it. It's not, it, It's going to be too late because things are going to happen so quick, you're not going to be able to, to find out where the revival is and who's preaching. So, I'm hurrying along. There's just too much of us going on in this world for us to fight amongst ourselves like David and his brothers. Too much. Not saying that's not important, but we really shouldn't fight each other. You know, when when we look at the spiritual armor that is talked about in, uh, I believe, Galatians 6 chapter, and you look at all the armor that you put on, there's nothing that protects your back. Everything's forward-facing. That's how it was back then. Because you're going forward all the time. That's why I don't have time to bite other people in the back. I don't have time to pick at other people and say, don't have time for that. That's silly stuff. It's important things going on. Not time to take out for silliness. I want to be serious with God. Don't you? I want to be serious with life. Serious with life. Serious with my future. So they take him to Saul. Saul says, you're not a warrior. You're just a youth. You can use my armor. So this COVID stuff is only going to come away with sacrifice, with prayer, with fasting, getting in the word, with stirring up the gift of God that God has given you. And sometimes, get the book, sometimes things keep you from doing things that God's got for you because there's hindrances in your way. And sometimes you can only go so far because this thing's in your way. There's somebody from Gath standing there in your battlefield daring you to come at him. But when you make your mind up, God will help you. Done. Amen? David said, this armor stuff isn't going to help me. It's going to hinder me and get me killed. So I'm going to stick to what worked in the past. Just my sling. Just my staff, my bag of rocks, and a bunch of outrage about this uncircumcised giant. You see, that's what these guys lacked. They listened to Goliath all those days, and it didn't bother them anymore. 
Something's got to grab us. I'm tired of hearing about sin. I'm tired of hearing about all the stuff that's going on in the abortion rights. I'm tired of watching our cities fall apart. I'm tired of everything starting to collapse in on us. You've got to take a stand and say, look, I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to seek God more. I'm going to read more of the word. I'm going to change myself. I've got to make sure that I've got something in my bag to fight the giant with when I meet him. And he had a decision that I'm going to go at this giant once and for all and put him to rest. Musicians, if you'd come. Verse 46 through 49, this day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. I will smite thee, David's talking to Goliath, and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day to the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Fifteen years old. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord serveth not with the sword and the spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Doesn't matter what they call it. It's going to be done, and the church is going to revive more because the Lord is going to be giving it to our hands. Verse 48, it came to pass when the Philistines arose, and they came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hastened and he ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. Who would do that in their right mind? David did. Why? He knew that he was going to do something and God was fighting for him. He relied on his faith, what happened before, and God's going to deliver him again. And David put it in his hand, in his bag, and he took thence a stone. And he slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead, and that stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth. Stand with me, if you would. The rest of the scriptures, you can read about it. David took out his sword, cut his head off. It was a great victory that day. Had to happen. It had to happen, or the Philistines would have run the board. So whatever your circumstances today, you have a cause and a calling from God, and that calling in your mind has got to be greater than what you're facing. David heard that. So your future has to look better than your circumstance today. Jesus went through the same thing. Hebrews 12 and 2 says, His suffering, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame of Calvary. Because he saw you and I back in the future. He said, I'm going to endure what's going on just for them. The second thing we need to take from this is to understand that you are enough. Understand that how God made you and where you are right now is just enough to defeat the enemy. It's enough for revival to continue. It's enough for the church to advance to win this fight in the causes of the Lord's. There's no need to call in big name evangelists, faith healers, or anything to understand that you are enough 
to defeat this stuff. I'm enough. Let's say I'm enough. I don't need an army. I don't need Saul's armor. What I am and what I have right now is enough for God. You don't need to go to school. You don't need to go to college. You don't need this. You don't need that. All you need is a committed, made-up mind and the sacrifice of giving it all to God on an altar. That is enough. And God will take it from there. That's all he's looking for. Number three is you've got to have effort. You could do all of this stuff. David could do all of that in his mind and be committed and everything and go out onto that battlefield. But you know what he had to do and what we've got to do? you got to throw this thing. The effort has to be done on your part. God couldn't throw it. He guided it. He blessed it. David just had to believe. Amen? you got to be able to do that all by yourself. It was guided by God. All he needed to do was somebody to throw it. And not only just throw this rock, and it's not just about the rock either. It's what you think about this rock. Of all your faith that says, God, I know all i got to do is get in position and do something, and you're going to take the rest of it. No matter what. I've got those phone calls. I've got to think. I've got gates of Gaza that I can put up on a mountain someday and say, look what God just did for me. And I thought that I, being my age, God will never do this, but yet he did. And you know what? I got a better job than what I thought I had. I thought I had the fee job. How many got that? Got a better one. God could do it, Amen. So remind your circumstance, whatever the devil comes against you with, that you have four stones left in your bag, no matter what's coming. Amen? Let's sing it, can we? God is able to do just what he said he would do. He's going to
Oh, come on. Do you believe that today? Oh, he's able. He's able to deliver. He's able to heal. He's able to set you free. But he just needs somebody to step up and say, God, you can use me. Amen. Everyone was on the battlefield that day, but not everybody was engaged. All of Israel's men were paralyzed in fear, and they just sat there and watched for 40 days. And all of a sudden, David shows up. And all he did, all he did was just take a step towards the, the enemy. Because once, once you take that first step, you're, you're already on your way. I mean, there's no going back. The hardest step to take is that first step. But once you start moving towards it, God, the winds of, of God will come and help push you through that. Amen. Sometimes we can get so caught up in our situations that we're just paralyzed and we can't do anything. But all God wants you to do is just take a step forward in faith. God, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know what's going what's gonna to open, what's going to close, how the things are going to turn around in my life. But all God is doing, if you can take a step of faith towards your problem, I can come in and help deliver you. But I need someone, I need to follow faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so if you start stepping out in faith, God says, I see an avenue of faith that I can start working in. I can start moving in that direction. But you need to walk in faith and believe that, God, I don't have it all figured out. I don't have all the answers. But all he needs is some men and women that will say, God, I'll take that step. On Monday mornings, we started men's prayer. Amen. From 4 to 7, come in before come in before you go to work and pray. All it, all it takes is you just take that step. We don't know what's going to happen, but we know that we're just taking an extra step. Yeah, I, I can be in, I'd rather be in bed, of course. 3 a.m. comes really early, really quick. But somebody's got to get here to make sure that you got biscuits and gravy. For all those men that say, okay, I'll take a step today. So that's all God's looking for is men to rise up and pray. Women to rise up and pray. Because God needs an avenue of faith to say, hey, I need to work in somebody's life. And I believe that if you take that step, God's going to start doing things in your life. He can start turning your family around, your situation around. All he's waiting for somebody is to take a step. God has the power to do it. He can snap his finger, it can be done. But what better to do it than to have somebody step up and say, look what God did in my life. All I did was take one step of faith, and all of a sudden, everything started falling in line. All of a sudden, these doors started opening. All of a sudden, the windows of heaven started opening up. All I did was take a step and say, God, I don't know about this. He said, okay, take another step of faith. Just keep taking a step of faith, and God will make sure he brings you through it. Amen. Continue uh, praying and fasting. We've got our all-night prayer meeting this week, this Friday night. We're preparing for that. And Sister Lisa Morimano is leading that up. Amen. And she wants to come and have her come and, and, and prepare us for that, if you would, Sister Lisa. God's not done yet. He's so shy. He's so He's He's not done yet. Let's not, let's not be sensitive and shut ourselves off because this is what we normally do. We're going to take care of a little spirit business. And I know some of us don't like that. Our flesh is the last thing it wants to do. 
God spoke some things to us on Tuesday night prayer. And he spoke a word and said, you have entered into some things. This is my will, was what he spoke to us. Right, Brother Andy? This is not Sister Lisa's words. This is what God spoke to us. He gave us keys. And he said, the first key is repentance. The second key is submission. The third key is obedience. When you guys fight me in the spirit, you're not fighting me. You're fighting the God Almighty. Ha, ha, su, ha, 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 yeah, eh, ya, sa, ha. He, yo, ha. I, su, ra, ma, yeah, eh, sa, ha. I, she, ha, ha, ha. That is a dangerous place to be. Ha, su, ra, ma, ha. God spoke this morning and said, I will be glorified. My people will praise me. Ha, yes, su, la, ba, ra, ha, su. 